Would you shut the fuck up and listen to the Skeleton Crew? It's radio at its finest. There was this boy named Jason Voorhees. Drowned in Crystal Lake about 30 years ago. None of the counselors heard him. A bunch of years went by. Everyone forgot about it. And that's when the murder started to happen. His mother blamed the counselors son's death and she tried to kill them but she got her head chopped off by one of them halloween's a special night the butcher knife's a bloody sight just got to the campsite the 13th the friday it's your last night getting late it's time for bed will you see tomorrow will tomorrow see you dead went to texas no they warned you the leather face will massacre you Welcome back to the Skeleton Crew at Show 88, and we're feeling great. Oh, Jesus. I had to go there. It's the only thing I could think of when you said this is Show 88. It's Show 88. We're feeling great. Coming fresh out the gate. To masturbate. <laughs> yes! Yeah, oh, wait. Duh. Boy, are we stupid. It's Show 87. Okay, scratch all that. Uh, so, here we go. <clears throat> this is a pre- Friday the 13th, just like pre-you-know-what. This is pre-Friday the 13th special. The reason why we're not doing this stuff on Friday the 13th is because we have the greatest extravaganza in the history of horror radio. Oh, we got something for all y'all asses. We decided it would be the best idea to combine forces with Banana Laser. Voltron! An Avengers Voltron type thing. It (laughs) is... Myself, Dan, Jamie, Matt, and Dave, we got together and we found out. I I hinted this on the last show. I said, you know, I want to do a show. What is the greatest franchise between Halloween and Friday the 13th? Because those are the two biggest ones, biggest icons, I think, of silent slasher killers. I didn't see it when when you first mentioned it, dude. I was like, huh? What do you mean? Come on, we're going to compare them. But, but then what happened, Dan? Dude, are you kidding me? That was one of the best episodes we've ever recorded, for sure. The best, in my the opinion. Best. Well, and, and I'll be, it's, it's hard to tell, like, you know. It's all right. Yeah, it was okay. Um, but I, just judging it on my um, my level of fun, it, it, it totally, it totally is up there. I mean, you know, we've had a lot of great times on the show, though, so it's kind of hard to rank it this soon. It's like, it's like when you said, yeah, but Darren, with the, with the X-Men movie, why don't you fucking give it a week? Because every time you get out of a movie, you're like, this is the greatest movie ever. I kind of feel like it was, uh, it was the same situation. Oh, no, 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 no. Dude, no. five people can't be wrong. This is true. <laughs> Can they, Jamie? I guess it depends on the five. This particular five, no way. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. And think, dude, Jamie was uh, Jamie was great on the show, by the way. But I'll tell you, I think a lot of people will be very surprised with uh, with a lot of Jamie's um, responses to a lot of these uh, things that we post. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, you you really shocked me, Jamie. I couldn't believe it. In a good way or a bad way? 
In a good way. Oh, I, I, actually, you know what? I'll leave it at that because we want everybody to listen to it. It's usually in a bad way, so we wouldn't mention that again. Well, that's yeah, true. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the rule of thumb, I guess. When it's different, we'll mention it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, there's a lot of surprises, <laughs> twists, and turns on that show that we didn't. I, I know me personally, I didn't see those coming at all, dude. Oh, I know. I got motion sickness. Yeah. I had to take a drill of me. <laughs> yeah, that show is very okay. revealing about both. You don't really know these movies sometimes unless you 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 twist and turn and put them together at different angles and it's like right. a Rubik's cube. What we did was we made those movies Rubik's cubes, the Halloween and Friday Thirteenth, and we turned them and twisted them and and set them up to to compare in ways that we would never even thought we'd be talking about them in the ways we did. A lot of it just came right out to us because I'll say this, dude, we're all fans of both. Think about it. They did their um their Halloween. Uh, you know, retro. retro. And we did the classic Friday. But, dude, we didn't repeat a lot of shit from those shows, dude. It was all original shit. Because a lot of it, you know, is, oh, I don't want to give too much away. A little teaser here. But a lot of it's comparing things and stuff like that. Like, you know, putting the best movies up against the best and so on and so forth. But the way it came out, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I did not see a lot of that shit coming until it was, like, right in front of our face. Like, just the similarities and the differences and who came out on top and why. I mean, everything about it was just perfect. The, the idea is <clears throat> an amazing canvas, and <clears throat> we to collectively painted a beautiful picture. I'll say it about myself. Fuck it. There's no way around it. If I wasn't on the show, I would kill for somebody to make a show like that that's how right? good it was you know i agree fuck it i don't care yeah. yeah tell me something good and if you uh hey we encourage people to do sh more shit like this you know if you think fucking oh yeah that's just okay they, they thought it was great i could do better please yeah please do that could, could, do, do the same thing on halloween and see if you could do better you moron well, because the only con. The only <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: on this show, here's what you're getting as the pre-Friday Thirteenth show. Back in the year 2010, I started horror podcasting. I was on a show. Mike asked me to be on his show. That's it's like a defunct show now. It's Rabbit and Red, and I was on there. I was on there. The first time I ever did a horror podcast was. Uh, August 9th, 2010. I did another one on the on the 12th. What was happening was we said, well, Friday the 13th is coming. We should do something for Friday the 13th. Cliche. And I'm like, well, you know, I know a couple of the guys from the movies. I have their phone numbers. So if you want, I could just, like, uh, shoot them a text or call them or something. Ron Milky has my phone number. <laughs> I have his apartment key. <laughs> and his underwear. Forgot to give it back to him. <laughs> I've seen the pictures. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what happened was, uh, you know, I said, so what I could, you know, what we could do is something different. We could just have these guys come on the show instead of just talking about them. And they're like, really? You could do that? And I'm like, yeah, because at that time they never heard of doing interviews and stuff. So it was like a whole new thing. And they weren't too busy, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, not the some one of the guys I got is a busy guy. No shit. I got okay. Ron Milky. <clears throat> I got Russell Todd, who plays Scott with the slingshot in Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Yeah. And the last person was Demon. Yay! This shit box is gross. Exactly. <laughs> 
He was on the show. Here's what happened. They all, it, we always do those shows live because it was blog talk. Blog talk radio. And they just called in, and I didn't even know they were gonna. And in those days, we didn't have questions for anybody because right. we didn't think of that stuff. And preparation. Um, yeah, preparation. And that, on that show, we had never had any preparation. <laughs> I mean, it, was, <laughs> it, it is what it is on there. So it's like they just called in, and we just talked to them. They all three of them called in. But we already interviewed Ron Milky on this show, and it was way better than this one that, that we did that day. So we're not going to play that one. But I'm going to play for you. The demon interview and the Scott interview from part two. That night, it was like magic took place. Uh, later on, what we realized is the only magical thing about that show was me. Because, uh, <laughs> so if I didn't do all that, it would have been nothing. And it was nothing once I, was, I left. So it, it's just like, it was just a magical night and it was like amazing. And it was, it got a lot of hits and all that stuff. It was a fun night. So we're going to play that. And I also, before I even did any of this stuff, I used to run a website called Crystal Lake After Dark. And on there, I used to interview people for Friday the 13th, but it usually was through emails and things like that. But the first on-the-phone interview I did was with Big Tits from Friday 5. Big Tits, nice. I went right for the tits. Debbie Sue Voorhees? Debbie Sue Voorhees. Yes. So I interviewed her, and I have that recording... It's me putting a tape recorder, tape, to a speakerphone and me talking and this and that. It was so bad. The quality really? Was, yeah, I had to redo like a lot of it. I had to fix it up and polish it up. It was really bad. But Dude, That's like two cans and a string. Exactly. Wow. But I got a little bit out of her. I wish. Hey. I never heard these interviews, dude. Now, so this is back in the Rabbit and Red days. Now, you were on the beginning of Rabbit and Red, correct? Um, about a month or two, maybe one month into it, yeah. Okay. Um, so this was like kind of a not a long, long time ago, but it's been a while. I'm interested to hear these interviews and see how you were back then as opposed to now. Oh, hey, everybody got to start somewhere. Are they? Do you think they're bad? I wasn't the showrunner, so I couldn't really guide them into being what they are today. So, you know, I had to kind of hand over. So I could, it's not like it would have been here. But uh, oddly enough, uh, the guy with me did a, a good job that night. It was, I mean, it, it was a magical night. I think it was just, there was no stopping it. It was just a nice exchange. It was just really something special. I mean, like oddly enough, the interviews got worse as that show went on. I, I don't even know how that could happen. How you get worse at something, but you know, I guess it happens. Isn't that crazy? That's technically how we met. Like I was a caller on that show. That's how I started. They were just like, "Yeah, come on," and then uh, you know, we came to our senses and we we're like, "Well, why don't we get the uh, people that actually know their shit and let's do that?" There was there was a lot. I you know I I should have been honest on that show, but I let a lot of things go because it wasn't really mine, and it, it just wasn't what it should have been, and. Oh, a perfect segue. Because it wasn't what it sh- Yeah. We were actually fired from horrorbid.com because it just got so bad. Mm. Um because it just wasn't creative. It wasn't it wasn't going for anything. It was just let's record record ourselves talk. Not a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah, and here's the topics we're going to cover and it's like, "Well, mm. dude, right. you know, this is a show. Put on a show." So, we were fired and the reason I'm mentioning that is because yesterday Thursday, horrorbid.com is no more. Really? It's gone. 
Whoa. You type it in, it tells you it is gone, and you have to click this thing. We have xenomorphed into horrordomain.com. Now, can I ask you a question? Is our buddy there still employed? Michael Bates is still employed, and he had nothing. Nice. He had nothing to do with this. He did not want to get rid of Harbit or anything like that. But I'm just I, I'm happy to hear you know because um because I love that dude. He's a great man. So it, it's good to hear that he's still involved with that, regardless of what it is. Now, isn't it supposed to be kind of like a uh, you know fucking a merchandise selling, buying, trading type deal? Prop dealing. Exactly. I mean, really, uh, yeah, whatever. Say what you will about, um, you know, horror websites and everybody's got one or whatever. But, hey, if you're going to do a horror website, don't fucking change that. I mean, that's like a, a trick. That's like taking people that are into movies and be like, this is my practical effect fucking show. Or and it's <laughs> yeah. like, damn, really? That Like, I already fucking subscribed to that and liked it. Now I got to fucking, you know, unsubscribe now. Because, I mean, dude, I like all the all the, all the the prop stuff. I think it's cool. W- would I ever buy any of it? Fuck no. I don't want that shit in my house. I don't want that shit in my house either, bro. So fuck it's like, that. yeah, fuck that. I'm about horror movies. So, yeah, I think it's kind of funny that... um. But but that's another thing. That dude's been talking about changing that site for how long now? It's been a year. <laughs> Almost a year. Yeah, so. It's a, it's a joke. And you should see HorrorDomain.com. Jesus Christ. If you're going to switch over, god damn, make it look like it, was, it wasn't made in 1997. Jesus, dude. Oh, dude, 97, man. It's like before the internet was even fucking <laughs> created. This shit's so horrible. Yeah, it's like he drew on his wall and took a picture of it and, like, put it <laughs> just as a JPEG or something on the on the fucking... <clears throat> it's just really weird. But just so you know, on these interviews, for, and Jason pointed this out, and by the way, this show has mentioned his name more than any other show on the planet. He says that when I'm on the phone, like I was for the Terror Dome for the Friday the 13th Part 3 retro, yes. I sound like I'm 12 years old. Which made him hot. <laughs> and I sound like uh, <clears throat> like a dork, like you know, so different from now. Yeah, of course, night and day. You gotta. Uh, okay, I'm the guy that doesn't have that the, the smoker's voice. Like I've been smoking for thirty years. I'm the other guy. So uh, and I'm not putting on a fake like phony like. Like I'm the other guy. So it sounds weird, but you know. Oh, so I get I get what you're saying now, though. So you basically sound like a 12 year old on this one too, is what you're implying? Yeah, because Block Talk was always over the phone. Yeah, I sound like I'm fucking um, pinching my nose. Like, hello, my name is Dan Chase. Like, it's fucking it changes everybody's voice, dude. Yeah, microphones change the whole game. Why does your nose always sound stuffed? I don't know, man. Maybe uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get to that on show 100. This show is actually has a, a couple more cool things in it. Uh, review of the movie Popcorn. Pop, 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 pop. 1991. A very interesting movie. We get into that. That um, That's going to be a very interesting review. I'd never even heard of it before. And um, yeah, without giving anything away, definitely listen because it's very interesting. And the movie is on YouTube for free, so you have no excuse why you can't watch it. So watch it before you hear that review. Where are they? Where are they? I don't know, Billy, but I'm hurting, man. Should I let the machine get it? Hello? Hello, I'm in the house. Bitch! You bitch, where the fuck are you?
Not real fast. We're going to play a little game. It's called, guess who called the police and reported your sorry motherfucking ass? Find her, you dipshit. Get up. I can't, Billy. <laughs> you cut me too deep. I think I'm dying here, man. Talk to her. Hello? Oh, Stu, Stu, Stu. What's your motive? Billy's got one. The police are on their way. And what are you going to tell him? Peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. I'm going to rip you up, you bitch. Just like your fucking mother. You got to find me first, you pansy-ass mama's boy. Fuck! Ah! Fucking hit me with the phone, dick! Alright guys, we have the honor of being joined by Debbie Sue Voorhees. You know her as Tina, Friday the 13th, Part 5. Debbie, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. Now Debbie, even though you were in a Friday the 13th, which is a, a horror movie, it's a well-known fact that you actually do not even like horror movies. So did you know anything about the franchise before being offered that role? Oh yes, I'd heard of them. I just didn't have the courage to see them. Now I have seen The Exorcist, but you have to realize that that gave me nightmares for a long time. I just decided I'm just really not, you know, if, if I'm watching a show or something on TV and something starts getting scary, I always have to change the channel. So I assume being in the horror movie this time, when you watched it back with your friends and family, you were not actually scared this time. Yeah, it, it wasn't because I knew everybody and I knew how the shots were done. And so, yeah, no, it didn't scare me. Now, can you tell me a little bit about the amazing accomplishment of winning the Best Body in Texas Award? Contest. Right, I did. Best Body in Texas Contest. Pretty much so, only, you know, in a suit. It was, you know, I think, um, I don't know how many women total because there were smaller contests around Texas, but... By the time we got together, um, there was like 200 of us. Now, probably the coolest coincidence in the world is that you have the same name as the killer on Friday the 13th. Your last name is Voorhees. <laughs> it is kind of funny, isn't it? He always thinks that, that you know, that somehow or another, um, either one, that I took the name because of the show, or... I even had people, even though it was the fifth and the installment, ask if that's where they got their name, where he's named from was from me. But no, it was just complete coincidence, which is, I mean, Voorhees is very unusual. Although you probably know, being in um, the uh, New Jersey area, that there's a Voorhees, New Jersey. Yep, that's right, and I passed by there a few times myself. Now, one incredible thing I read is that your death scene in Friday Five took 13 hours to film. Yes, yes, it was grueling. So, aside from uh, the reasons I would take 13 hours to film that, uh, what would merit taking 13 hours to film a death scene? Several things. One, when they're doing a film, they do several different angles, and so they're constantly moving the camera around. One, it's shot for, um, for film, for the R-rated version, and then they shoot again for television. And so... Plus, then you have all kinds of problems that come in. You'll start to shoot, and a plane will go overhead. Or some noise will happen or something, or there'll be a problem with some lighting or a problem with this or that, and so they have to do a reshoot of it. Um, Then also, the amount of makeup and stuff that went into, um, you know, making my face look like my eyes were gouged out and my 
you know how it had that little place where it looked like my the, my nose was broken. And, um, you know, that took a long time to apply that. Wow, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty wild. So it just, you know, all the things that come, you know, together, it just, it just, it took a very long time. It was a grueling day. Did you have any negative side effects to your death scene? Like, we talked to Russell Todd. He said the the blood was gushing into his face. We all know Corey Feldman got sick because of his bald cap. Is there anything that happened uh, to you that wasn't so pleasant because all that blood gushing in your eyes or anything like that? Oh, yeah, well, I think one of the worst things was when they put the blood in the eyes because my, it just, it burned because it seeps through even though I closed my eyes and it would seep through and, I mean, it burned for a very long time and you just have to, you just have to grit your teeth and um, so, yeah, no, it was, it was really a tough, tough day. Now, I wouldn't be the interviewer I'm known for if I didn't touch on this topic, you know. You obviously did a nude scene in Friday the 13th, a pretty famous and prominent one. So I'm just wondering, was there any side effects? Like, is there any uh, negative impacts that happen when you get home and, like, when your family watches the movie or when your friends, you know, like, that whole kind of thing? Is there anything that... Um, my mom, in particular, was very supportive of whatever decision I made. Um, what I, I later found out that it did upset her, but she was just the type of person that... She wanted me to have her support unconditionally, and so she was really great about it. Um, you know, I had a lot of mixed feelings and was uncertain about it myself. And uh, but, you know, I went ahead and took the leap and did it. You know, I don't really regret it. It. But my mom did later tell me, but it was more about the death scene that it bothered her. She she basically told me she took to bed for about three days. Because it was just so traumatic to see, you know, the daughter she loved, you know, killed. Wow, it's pretty crazy. It really got to her, huh? Yeah, I didn't know because she didn't tell me like then. She told me years later that it upset her. She didn't want to upset me. So your friends didn't goof around and tease you about being nude in the movie that long and everything being out in the open? Just laughed about it. No, oh, yeah, just laughed about it. So I heard there was a little friction between you and your co-star's girlfriend on the set of Friday Five. Yeah, it was kind of funny, really. Um, I'm sure she was a very nice person. I just didn't really know much about her. But um, supposedly she, this is what I was told. Um, and her version of it is very different. But, um, I was told uh, that she, she was already signed for the part. And uh, the producer had seen her and decided that she, they wanted her to play the role. But the producer hadn't seen myself yet. Danny Steinman, the director, had seen me and liked me the best because he said I was the only one who understood, you know, the role. That you know, in the part where she's got the clothesline and she, and you know, he tells her she he wants her to go into the woods, fool around with them. The other women, they all thought that she would be angry when she said, you know, fuck you, and instead, I knew she was being playful, you know, and I was the only one that understood that it was a playful thing. I knew she wasn't going to be getting mad at her boyfriend. That'd be silly. Right, so you had a better idea of where your character was coming from than she did. Right, and so that's why he wanted me to play the role. So he went to the producer, and at first he was like, no, I've already made my decision, and Stephanie goes, we'll just see this one first. 
Well, they decided to go with me, and then I was fine. She says that um, she backed out because of too much nudity. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter which way it was, but she was, and apparently, I, I got this feeling because I saw her at a couple auditions, and it just seemed like every time I saw her at auditions, she had to bring that up. I just think she was, I just don't think she was very comfortable with having another woman in a, in a scene like that with her boyfriend. You know, and then I don't know, you know, and maybe it was a combination of both. Maybe they decided against her and she got nervous about the nudity. I don't know. And one little nerd question I just want to know. Uh, do you even own a copy of Friday the 13th Part 5? I have it on tape. It was given to me by a friend. Oh, Jesus. VHS. Well, one more nerd question. Does it bother you that the real Jason Voorhees was not in your movie and it was just an imposter? Do you even care about that? No, it didn't bother me at all. Did it bother you? No, you know, I've said it before. I think it was interesting to implement that. I mean, um, it is what it is. At this point, it's not like I'm still expecting him to really be in the movie, so I'm disappointed at the end. So, no, it really doesn't bother me. Um, I think that was an interesting way to go, if anything. You know, it worked. So, just wondering, do you believe playing the role of Tina hurt? or helped or made no difference in your goals that you had in Hollywood? I don't know if it did or not. I didn't stay in Hollywood that long after I did that. It probably would have if I had stayed longer. I was doing some auditions. When I decided to leave, I decided to go back and go to school. And I was up for some uh, role in a soap opera time. Yeah, it probably would have helped. Well, once you got a taste of Hollywood, was it something you wanted to do more and more? Or did you feel like it was something you wanted to do less and less? Mm, I don't know. I, I think my interest in Los Angeles came, you know, um, early on. And the longer that I was there, the more I felt like it probably wouldn't work very well for me. There are a couple things that kind of came. I, I really enjoyed the acting part of it. There are a few things. I remember being at auditions where I would see women who were 20 years, you know, and years older than I was at the time. I always felt so bad for them because they would work so hard to try and compete for the same role I was going up for. You know, rather than going ahead and going after a role that might be more suitable. But, you know, they would have the boob jump facelift, the, you know, all different kinds of stuff done and the tan and the, they put glitter and baby oil on themselves and I guess I just felt really bad for them. Yeah, I can imagine women have a harder time letting go of their youth when they're in that business. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, when it, I don't want to feel that desperate, not afraid. And so that, that was one thing where I thought, you know, that's probably just not for me. Yeah, something like that could probably make somebody crazy. And the second thing was is that, well, actually, there were two other things. Another thing was that I felt like after I got a little taste of, of Hollywood, I felt like that I really, my personality would not do well if um, I was recognized where I went. Too disruptive for me because I'm more private than that. And then the last thing was that I really wanted to get an education, loved writing. I really wanted to uh, write, and I felt like, you know, writing was really more 
my area. And after, you know, I graduated from school, I went on and worked in journalism for 15 years, or four and a half years with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and then 11 years with the Dallas Morning News. Now I freelance for a couple magazines and um, still for the newspaper and stuff, and do marketing and media consulting and things. I'd also like to get into concert promoting. Well, you know, to wrap it up, thanks a lot, Debbie. It was a really great time talking to you. Uh, you're loved by many fans, me being one of them. Uh, is there anything you want to say to all your fans uh, before we go? Okay, you know, I always enjoy hearing from them. They've always been so sweet. You know, it, it, it's always nice to hear from them. I'm, always, I'm ever amazed that they keep, keep writing and, you know, sending things off. And I understood how they found me when I was at the newspaper, but I'm, I'm getting people who email me. Well, how did you guys find me? Oh, I'm just the uh, horror interview guru of the world. So everybody sends everybody to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jack Cook hooked us up with you, so that was very cool. And let me just add that uh, I've seen your pictures recently, and you have not lost your looks. No, thank you. It's the truth, so thank you once again. It was a really good time. Well, you're welcome. Free to email me and say hello, and let me know when you post it so I can go look at it. I will definitely do that. Thank you, everyone. Debbie Sue Voorhees. If the memory of Jason still haunts you, you're not alone. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. Severe trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs I've given him. The mindless, murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn. Pete! And suddenly, terror has become child's play. Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. All right, guys, this is Popcorn 1991. Hey, Schmalko, pop up, pop up. <laughs> Maggie, she's in film school, and uh, they're putting together this sort of horror festival, which is really awesome, by the way. This whole festival yeah, is dude. badass. I want to go. Right. Um, and during this, they come across a film that was made by a guy named Lanyard Gates, and he was part of a like a film cult. And uh, in, back in the 70s where they would just make all these avant-garde films and they were really creepy and weird. And during one of his um, during one of his performances, he basically like killed his family, set the theater on fire. And um, well, no, like, this was set it up, though. It's, it's an awesome premise. Everybody, you know, ripped on his movies and they said they suck. So to get revenge, I don't know how this actually gets revenge, but 
he filmed this movie and he never filmed the last scene and he played it, I guess, obviously, one night only. And uh, for the last scene, it was a live performance and he killed his entire family in front of everybody, then locked the doors and set the theater on fire. And a lot of people got burned and some people escaped and all that. Okay, yeah, so, so they're, they're getting ready to shut down this theater where this is being held. So this, this group goes in and they're going to do a horror fest there. Well, weird shit starts happening. Meanwhile, Maggie is having these weird dreams about this guy. And she starts to notice these connections. And she's starting to try to kind of, you know, kind of put it together what's going on. And she believes that Lanyard Gates is the guy that's kind of, uh, he's, there's a guy that she sees sneaking around the theater. And she thinks that that's who it is. So people start ending up dead, and then we learn what's really going on, whether it's him or not. Hey, did you guys notice there's a wheelchair death in this movie? <laughs> yes, I did, and I even made a comment about it while I was watching it. I was like, oh, this movie is offensive. Oh, no, no actually, what I, fir- what, I, what I first said was as soon as the wheelchair guy rolled onto the screen, like in the very beginning of the movie, when he rolled on, I was like, dude, if that guy gets killed, I'm offended. <laughs> we cannot get away from this. <laughs> it's amazing how everything is in... It, the synchronicity of the skeleton crew is unmatched. <laughs> you won't even believe the things that have happened to me in the last uh, couple weeks pertaining to wheelchairs and, and everything. And by the way, this this review, I did this for this guy, Joshua Bozeman. And I did it because um, we have two Facebook pages. One is like a normal thing for like stuff, for movies and stuff like that, that you would make a Facebook page. And the other one is a group page. For some reason, we never could get any activity really going on on the normal one. And that has 5,000, like 350 members to it. And for some reason, it's not interactive. Nobody really says anything. Then we got we made the group page, and everybody writes on there. I don't even know why or whatever. But but this guy is still like on on the other page, the uh, the five thousand page. And a couple times he he kept writing, "You guys should totally do a video commentary for Popcorn." Thank you, brother. Yeah, the little known gem from 1991. And uh, he said he just listened to the Scream retrospective, and he wants more. So it's funny. That I was talking to Dan earlier, and and I made the same connection more with Scream Two in a way though, but that he said this movie in a lot of ways resembles Scream, so yeah, that's pretty interesting. So Joshua, this review is for you. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I didn't want to do a video commentary because we weren't really familiar with the movie or anything like that. So I never heard of it. Me neither. Yeah, ninety one, dude. Yeah, 91. Those dead years of the 90s before Scream hit that we always rag on. And then, you know, you get movies like this that pop up and it's like, eh. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> Plus, you've got some big hitters in this movie uh, within the horror genre. You know, there's D. Wallace Stone, which you've already yeah. mentioned. And then, De- what is that chick's name? Good. Give me that. <laughs> oh, Detlef Schramm? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say Det. <laughs> <laughs> the chick from People Under the Stairs and and Nightmare and the, you know the one we were talking with the Jill Sholian that's Maggie Tom Villard that's Toby D Wallace Derek Rydell Malcolm Danair Elliot Hurst Yvette Solar Freddie Simpson here's the ones you're talking about Kelly Joe Minter Kelly okay. Joe Minter I knew it was a double name but I couldn't think of what yeah Kelly Joe Minter who's big the guy who plays Toby of Villard he's been in a lot of stuff. 
And the chick who plays Maggie, she was the daughter in the original Stepfather, for mm -hmm. one. And I like her a lot. Yeah. I really, really like her. So this is just – this is a fun mishmash for, for big horror fans. If you don't know this film – then I think this is a fun one because you're going to sit there the whole time and go, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. You know, so yeah, it's one of those. I guess we will not give spoilers in the beginning because this is on YouTube. So if you want to check it out based on our recommendations, we'll just give you the uh, the uh, overall thoughts and ratings now. So, Dan, what is your overall thought of this movie, 1991? I thought it was so much fun, dude. I mean, from from beginning to end, it was just a blast. Now, granted, it dipped in some points where it got a little dragged out. It's got its problems, but overall, it's just fun. And it, it's about, you know, horror-related stuff. Like, you know, they, they have an all-night horror fest, like you said, and it's just a lot of fun. They got a cool little montage with a, with a cool song in it. Montage, just, montage. You want a motherfucking montage. I said that when we were watching it, too. When the montage started, I was like, montage. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a good one, too. And that's the thing. I, I thought the acting was good. I thought overall it was, it was, a, it was a fun time. With, yeah, it's got its plot holes for sure. But I'm sorry, dude. If you're trying to look for plot holes in a movie like this, you got a problem. So I, I had fun with it. I'd say, I don't know. Uh, what, what are we doing? Netflix, one out of five? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd give it three stars. I, I had a ton of fun with it. It, it was great. It, it was a, uh, it was a good time. Okay. okay. Jamie? Uh, I'd say this is a horror film for horror fans. Uh, like I said, there are a lot of people that you'll recognize from horror fans, but beyond that, they make a lot of references. They give a lot of nods. It's, um, and it makes you feel at home when you're watching it. It's a lot of fun. There are some really cool deaths. If slashers are your thing, this is definitely up there, I think. And... Uh, it's just flat out enjoyable. There are some phenomenal performances, which we yeah. will get into a little bit later. You know, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are some amazing performances here. And I think this is a little underappreciated, overlooked gem that you've probably seen in your video store for years and years and years, but maybe never picked it up for whatever reason. Maybe it's the title. I don't know, but you, you definitely should. And I give it a four. What's a video store? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> picked it up <laughs> i know i know for all the dinosaurs out there who know what i'm talking about block what luster <laughs> i'm not as as into it as you guys um only because i felt like i was in there and every scene was like pretty semi-interesting or, or moved along i just felt that let's just say like a perfect movie flows at a, a one out of ten like a ten pace i felt that this moved at like a 7.5 to 8 type pace it wasn't as fast as as i had hoped and it wasn't a slow burn either so that's why that those two things didn't kind of work perfectly for me so yeah it could have been a lot like there are a couple of things in there that and i'll mention this later but there are a couple of things in there that really have no business being yeah. in there they don't do anything for the story right. it just sort of takes up time and uh so, I mean, I feel you. I totally feel you on that. Yeah. So, for that reason, it's like, uh, I'd say 3.5 out of 5, but the, the the good content, I do like, like, right. like both of you. So, uh, that's that. So, if you want to watch it, hell, just jump on YouTube, Popcorn1991. Um, it's, to, to me, if you guys uh, need any more info on it, I feel like it's an 80s, pretty much an 80s movie. In every way. Yeah, in every way. So uh, here's one thing I just want to mention real quick, just so I don't forget, because I will forget. Um, so this guy, uh, I posted about this, and he said, um, 
Love this movie. Good fun. Kind of stinks that the movie ruined Bob Clark's and Alan Ormsby's friendship, though. Yes. So I said, what are you talking about? And he said, Ormsby was the director and even directed the old films within the film segments. Oh, no shit. Yeah, like, uh, so these people go to, a, like, a movie marathon, and he directed those little movies that they're watching. So, uh, but the producers fired him during shooting. Clark was one of the producers, mm-hmm. and Ormsby always resented that Clark didn't fight for him. So, I guess they were really good friends before that. Well, and they were. I mean, they had worked on several movies in the past, and, and um, like, Deranged, and uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Um, like uh, th- that reaches way back to 1972. So they'd been friends for a really long time. Wow. And uh, Ormsby is there is an Ormsby, not Alan, but another Ormsby that is credited in the credits. And I think that he is a relation to Alan Ormsby, but I don't know that for sure. I didn't actually look it up, but I think I think that he is. And I noticed it's funny because when I was watching this, I noticed I didn't know about the history behind that. I did know that they. That it had had two different directors. Yeah. Uh, that's thanks to Brian. He actually told me that, that it had two different directors. And but I didn't realize at the time that Ormsby was one of them. But when I was watching the credits and I knew that Clark was involved with this and then I saw the other Ormsby, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And But I didn't know that this whole – that this film was the crux of what basically happened to them. And that's pretty sad. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, yeah, so interesting little tidbit. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, Bob Clark directed A Christmas Story and Black Christmas. That's his two most... Uh... Oh, that's that dude? Oh, no shit. Mm-hmm. Oh. So uh, this movie has a guy in a wheelchair in it, and uh, since our show number 86, I can't get away from that. <clears throat> nope. That's in- interesting. You know, the, it's a pretty cool backstory, uh, the thing of that we already talked about, how he didn't film the last scene and then killed people on stage. I don't know why he killed his family. Was that ever talked about? There, there was a lot of exposition in this movie. Let's just put it that way. There's always well, some bullshit reason to kill your family. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there yeah. was even the newspaper clippings that might have even explained it in a small way. But I don't know. Personally, I, I followed it to a certain extent. But I just wanted to be in that movie theater. Ah, oh, man. It was like Scream 2, but way better. Way better. You know how we said we, we want to be in a movie theater like that? Like, and it's mm-hmm. not like that? Dude, fuck Scream 2, man. I want to be at this theater. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, they just gave away scream masks. I mean, these people fucking shocked your chair when a guy was in an electric chair. But the same thing, the same the big thing mosquito. happened. They used, yeah, the the, big... they used the same shtick, though. With, what do you mean? With, with at the end, everybody thought uh, it was a big joke when the dude was going to kill her on stage. Right. Just like, you know, just like in Scream 2, you know? Oh, yeah. Same thing, man. So I wonder uh, if they ripped that one off, Kevin Williamson. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> yeah, what did you guys th- think of – so they have the big giant mosquito that matched the mosquito in the – well, first, what did you guys think of those – the film shorts? I loved them. I, I got I to gotta tell you, the, they were so authentic. The, the only th- complaint I have about the mosquito one was that the actress's – the lead actress's hair in that film was not really authentic for the time period in which it was supposed to be taking place. If they had made her look a little bit better, I mean look a little more to the time, like given her a like a 50s hairstyle, then I think that it would have been perfect. And the one – the Japanese film that they did, the – What was that one again? The that smell one? one? The, was that the smell one? Well, Shoot. one was Electric Chair. 
Was yeah, this was not that. the electric chair one. This is the, I guess it was the smell one. Um, but anyway, it was the the colors were perfect for the time period. I mean, he really went all out to try to make these films look as authentic as possible, and I think he did a bang up job. And which, when you have tiny snippets of films within another film, you don't maybe even think it's necessary to do that. But the fact that he did gains a lot of points with me. Yeah, I wonder why he was fired. It reminded me of Chillerama too. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, I knew you liked that because Adam Green. It's just the whole fun. Of, it really pinpoints the just the excitement and fun of of just the, the whole ritual of going to the movies and shit like that and how much fun that is in itself, dude. Fuck the movie. The movie right. the icing on the cake, you know? That experience seemed like the greatest thing in the world. Like when they all sat down – and the first movie started, Mosquito, it just sounded so dumb. Yeah. And it was like, it's a shame because they have this amazing atmosphere and then they're going to sit here and watch bullshit movies. And it's like, well, that's kind of stupid. But then all of a sudden it was so cheesy, great and fun. It was just like, well, fuck, I would like to go there, you know, yeah. whatever. Fuck it. If, it. if it gets really boring, I'll just uh, push my girlfriend's head down to my lap. Exactly. Hey, fucking cut a hole in the bottom of the popcorn. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Um, you know, butter it up a little bit. So <laughs> so there was one really funny thing. Speaking of, like, the actual movies that they're watching, one really just fucking bizarre moment was randomly some Jamaican band just starts playing music. Yes, dude, that's the best part. You know, this was actually filmed in Jamaica. Well, part, it was a dual production. Some of it, I think, was actually filmed in L.A. But it was filmed in Jamaica. And the whole reason they have that band is because it was a local band. And it was, <laughs> and so they had to, like, shoehorn them into the story, which I thought was kind of weird. But Saturday yeah. night at the movies. The way the audience reacted once they started playing Possession is... Far more strange than I thought that they would act like that when these assholes came out and started playing music. And the music just kept going on and on. Right. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, how long is this song? Like, it was literally, it felt like 15 minutes of the movie these people were on. And I'm like, these guys are so into it. They're flipping out. They're clapping. They're dancing. I'm like, that would never happen. Dude, that's what I mean about this. That scene, there were a bunch of scenes that just dragged. And and I'll even say this. Uh, I agree with you guys. I like the movies within the movie here. But I still think that those even dragged. Like, the scenes kept going back to the movies. And it's like, alright, let's just get back to the plot. I want to see some shit here. It just, I don't know. I don't want to say the editing and how it was cut was bad. But I just wish it was more directed towards the, the main plot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, well... It just yeah. dragged in a lot of parts, within the, the, the movie itself, too. It just seemed like they... You know what they did? They had, like, a couple different subplots, and they went from one to the other, and then back. One to the other, and back. And one of them was the movie within the movie, and it was all, almost made it irrelevant. Like, why do we need to see this at this very moment? I want to see this. Do you know what I mean? I thought they were entertaining, though. You know, I, I don't, I don't care where you go, honestly, in a movie. If you're entertaining me throughout it, that's cool. If you want to focus on your little things, but you know, like Dan said, some of it wasn't really that compelling, but m most of it was, thank God. But um, like there, like some of the subplots, like was about the relationships. Like there's a guy who I guess used to date date the main girl, and now he's there with another chick. Then he gets out of his seat, and some other guy just sits there and puts his arm around his girlfriend, and she's cool with it. And then he comes over, and he's like, "Sir, you're in my seat." And he's like, "Eat shit, asshole." Yeah, the big dude. <laughs> he, 
And I want to say this about this movie, too. Some of the funniest fucking backdrop lines, like, from people in the theater screaming shit. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, like, it was so good. Every single one was just, like, gold. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And they didn't hold back, too. Except for some of those costumes, they would not be wearing them sitting in front of me. I just got to say, some of those heads were way too huge. (laughs) Have some courtesy and sit in the back, asshole. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> but one of the best ones, like Dan's talking about, they actually threw out a bunch of the like funny lines within those little movies that they're watching in the theater. Yeah. And the best one had to be the, the 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 electric chair when the guy's walking down the hallway. Everything they say is hilarious. Like, "All right, man, keep it warm for me." And another guy's like, "Hey, remember, don't sit down." And like, <laughs> like they just kept on saying funny. You know, I'm not delivering it very well, but you right. know, they just kept on saying funny shit. Like every line was gold. That was that was pretty cool. How they put that much thought into the comedy of that. It was perfect, dude. I, I loved, I loved it, and, and I love backdrop lines like that. Like, I think it's some of the funniest shit. I know Harold and Kumar does it really good. There are a couple other movies that just really nail the fucking backdrop, and that that to me, if there's subtlety involved, and I don't even want to call it subtlety, but you you have to be listening, you know, fucking closely to appreciate yeah. that kind of shit. I, I just think I love that kind of stuff. Well, I just scary think, movie does that. Scary movie, yeah, exa- exactly. He's like, that's my girlfriend. No, it's my. Girl. He's like, what? The fuck? <laughs> no, what? That's my girlfriend, huh? <laughs> that's Cl- yeah. Cliff is in that scene. Yeah, yeah it's, dude, that's it's so funny that you said that though. But you're right, man. It's like, I, but see, to me though, those are the things that just make a movie like this so much more enjoyable and just makes me laugh. And it's just like that's pretty cool. All right, well, and they keep doing it throughout the whole movie. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Good writing. Um, So what do you guys, now let's uh, talk about The Killer and The Kills. Uh, Jamie, what do you think of Toby, The Killer? And what about the reveal? I mean, here's the thing about that. I didn't even even care in a way that, like, the reveal wasn't that interesting to me. He was, uh, as a a little child, he got burned and lost his entire face pretty much, um, which is why he wears a mask now. So that was, uh, his whole thing was revenge. Basically, right. because he was in he was involved in the original fire. Oh shit! Check this out. Is this a plot hole? So Toby just dressed up like this uh, Lansing or whatever his name is, the one who's in charge of the cult. Lanyard. Lanyard. Lanyard right. Gates. But here's here's the big plot hole. So Toby's just a regular guy who got his face burned and all that. What is with the girl having dreams about him as if he's like? talking in her dream he has no real powers and and what's with the ticket popping up and the doors opening and the lights going on well to, and to the, the, the marquee kind of bl- like blowing the, the letters off when d wallace right. is standing in front of there's a there is yeah. are several supernatural elements here which don't really make a lot of sense no and i'm wondering if the change of directors has something to do with that like maybe if they were going to go in one direction and then when they changed directors they ended up going in a different direction i don't know right. but that's my theory is that it might have something to do with the fact that it was filmed by two different people because there are some and and if you pay attention like the the supernatural elements that you know we're talking about particularly like the d wallace one or whatever and, and then the ticket popping up those things never make any sense on the back end of the movie it's mm-hmm. never explained how these things happened in the front end of the movie so the only thing i can think of is that it must just be a directorial thing yep i think so yeah yeah just just occurred to me. 
You know what else occurred to me, Alex? They rolled D. Wallace out at the end, too, just like scream. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And that's right, yeah. And she was perfectly cast in that yeah, role. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, what, uh, what was his joke? You heard of Iron Maiden? You yeah. Thought <laughs> yeah, you thought oh, Iron Maiden was a band. Yeah, uh, I love Villard as the villain here. I think that he played crazy to the hilt. I thought he was perfect. He was in. He was fun to watch. I and I really enjoyed the makeup effects. There's a scene where he's. He's like half putting on his Toby face, which is his oh, everyday, which yeah. is his everyday mask, and then he turns around and it's sort of half on, half off, and the and ears, his are, ears are poking out. Yeah. But that's oh. the guy's real face right. in the in the middle, and it is completely seamless. It, like it, it looks as I mean, the where the floppy ears are is to his real face is totally seamless. The makeup was so good, perfectly colored. It was yeah, it was brilliant, and I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a nice touch. And I just really loved watching him crazy out. He's funny. Yeah. You know, he would like yeah. the scene where he goes to kill the one girl and then she starts, she thinks he's the other guy. So she's like, so do you think Toby likes me? Like, I'm yeah. totally in love with this guy and he doesn't even know I'm alive. And then he gets all frustrated and leaves because he can't kill her now that mm-hmm. he knows that she's in love with him, which I thought was a really nice, sweet touch. Like he does have a heart. Very. And then he gets all, he has that little tantrum where he's like, don't bring love into this. I've got a movie to make, you know, and it's just, it was <laughs> yeah. funny, you know. I thought that uh, the actor was dead on, you know. And- yeah, he was good. Well, and let's face it, guys. The mask thing, that was quite a stretch. That could never be realistic in any... Oh, no. You know what I love about it? As he put the rubber mask on, when he turned around, it was obviously the real actor. Yeah. W- with yeah. their ears flopping around. But see, I, I like that. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta fucking really just go with it at that point. But I didn't <laughs> think it was... I didn't know how they were going to do that, and I did not know... If the, if it could work, but how they did that with the actor's face on, you know, in in you know, doing the whole thing, I gotta say, man, I was surprised and I was like, touche. I bow bite my fucking tongue at that one. That looks cool. And then, like yeah. you said, then the ears hanging off. I was like, yeah. this shit just got fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that was good stuff. What don't make sense though is like. Um... He when he does this impersonation thing, he somehow matches their voices like yeah, perfectly. Yeah, the voice thing. Yeah, he mentions it too. He's got a voice changer. Scream. Yeah, scream again. But then at the same time, when he was pretending to be somebody, they said you don't sound right or whatever. I mean, like, what do he do? Loses. Yeah, his something. Voice? Something happened in that instance where he was he took off his mask or something, and yeah, he couldn't do it. Yeah, something. So here's the thing: like when he puts the masks on, he does this thing. He's he pronounces things perfectly. He sounds totally normal. But then when there's no mask on him, there's something on his mouth, and he talks like unnatural, like as if there's like something on his mouth like that. You know, like he's burnt. I think that's just a product of the actual actor then wearing prosthetics and there's nothing right. you can do about it. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Yeah, because it's not another person. It's sort of like backwards, you know, but... Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. there. I do have one complaint about the actual filmmaking part of this film. And it's a very simple one and it's not enough to make me not like it in the least. I mean, because you already know I gave it a four. But one thing I have a complaint about is is the very end death they involve the giant mosquito which is awesome and that's great however they also used that for the the first death right with the that's my biggest and problem i don't like that because you have so right. many things at your disposal so yep. many ways to kill to off people and then you're going to use the very first one again in the big climax that's a big mistake 
a big mistake because it's um, when you get to the climax, you want to see something you've never seen before. <laughs> and <laughs> I just saw it an hour ago. Yeah, hopefully fireworks and and you know, <laughs> you want to you want to see something that you that fresh and original and something that's going to wow you. And yeah. that you know they kind of failed on that because we'd already seen kind a of. death with the with the butt with the giant mosquito. You know, in the end, I still love the film. It doesn't, you know, I'm not like pissed about it, but I think it was a really bizarre choice, you know, to, to yes. make in, in, in a film, which is, you know, a slasher. And, and that's what you want is inventive, creative deaths. And it wasn't just the same thing. It was the same way. Like, I'd say if they used that same thing and like decapitated them as it out or something, that would even be cool. Like, yeah, it's the same thing, but it just took its fucking head off. But right. no, it's the same way, too. So, yeah, I Why feel not? you on that. Exactly. I thought that. I'll be honest with you. I thought the whole ending was a, was kind of floppy. Yeah. I don't even. What was the payoff? Like, and then you got this guy climbing the fucking marquee or whatever. It's like, what the hell is he doing? Like, and then you got the two that are like, oh, we got walked out, walked out. We got to walk around. Didn't he say there was a dog out here? Like, what do we want? What? Why? <laughs> what are we doing I, here? I don't know. Anyone who goes out those doors immediately, before we even knew it was going to be an issue that he got locked out, as soon as he walked out those doors, I said, dude, there are no handles on that doors. You're locked out. Yep. Because everyone knows that that's how, that's how those doors work. And right. then he's like, he comes in and he's all bitching and complaining. I'm like, what the hell? And then they go out the same door. I'm like, are you fools? Right. You just went through this conversation with him where he told you he got locked out of that door. Why are you being an idiot? Yep, exactly. It's like Wayne's World when they, when they go through the backstage and they go out the door and then they meet Tiny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know, that's an odd reference, but <laughs> And then the and the the whole boyfriend girl new girlfriend big guy hitting him thing had nothing to do with anything and really no. did not belong in the film. And it didn't do anything. It, yeah, it didn't lead anywhere, it didn't add anything. There was really no use for it. I think it was nothing but a time killer and right. uh, I'm never a big fan of that in a film. Don't waste my time. Everything that's on screen should mean something. And Well, you know what, Jamie, if you want to go real far with it, they can you imagine if they said, "Well, we need a reason that the front doors are locked." And that may, you know, that may very well be it. And I guess I could give them that concession. And that's a good point, Alex. I hadn't thought about that. And but so, you know, they didn't think that way. And especially when this dude's making fucking, like you said, fucking uh, things blow up on the fucking. I'm sure he locked the doors. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he could have locked the doors. I mean, he's making shit blow up. He can yeah. do a swoop of his fucking. You know, these are not the droids you're looking for. You know. But let's talk about this wheelchair death. Because not because it's a wheelchair, but because I I have to give them huge props for the amount of suspense that they were able to put into a death in a slasher film that I thought was really successful. You know, because he's tied down. He's you know we're watching the lights light up as he's watching them. We know he's going to be electrocuted when it hits the final light. He knows that. He's frantic. He's trying to reach the plug. He almost reaches the plug. And even though you know damn well because you're watching a slasher film that he's not going to, you kind of pull for him. You kind of you're you're like. He's almost got it. He's almost got it. And I really think that that bit of suspense was extraordinary. I mean, I think it, it was, you know, for a film like this, I think that they did a good job. Yeah, definitely. Yep. That, And I love how his wheelchair blew back after he got electric. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. My band. Nope. Yeah, and he was just like, <laughs> and he, yes, your band, you're out. Sorry. <laughs> and he's just ashes, you know, which I thought was, was great. I, I really like that one. You know. So yeah. as much as they disappointed me with the double use of the mosquito, I thoroughly enjoyed the wheelchair, so. You know what kind of movie this is, bro? This is like a good uh, around Halloween time movie, I think. Yeah. 
and and I was thinking when this guy mentioned the commentary that we should do for this, you know, I, I understand what he's saying. It it would almost be like us having that theater experience, like we're in it and we're talking about it and we're like experiencing the movie together and talking during it. Like that would almost be a theater going experience, which which sort of commentaries are. So there you go. Go watch Popcorn or Not. It's on YouTube for free. If you don't like it, don't blame me. Blame Dan and Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) You can blame me. I'll take it. Evening. Evening. I almost drove right past. I always forget to put the sign on, but we do have a vacancy. Twelve, in fact. Twelve cabins, twelve vacancies. Candy? No thanks, uh. In the past two days, I've been to so many motels, my eyes are bleary with neon. But this is the first one that looks like it was hiding from the world. Well, to tell you the truth, I didn't really forget the sign. It just doesn't seem any use. Oh? This used to be the main highway. You want to come in and register? Ah, sit down. I don't want to trouble you. Just want to ask... No trouble. Today's linen day. I change all the beds once a week, whether they've been used or not. I hate the smell of dampness. Such a creepy smell. You out to buy a motel? No. Well, the reason I asked, you said you've seen so many in the last two days. What was it you wanted to ask? I'm looking for a missing person. My name's Arbogast. Private investigator, trying to trace a young girl who's been missing almost a week from Phoenix. It's a private matter. Family wants to forgive her. She's not in any trouble. I didn't think the police went searching for people who weren't in any trouble. I'm not the police. Oh. We have reason to believe she came this way. Might have stopped in this area. Did she stop here? Well, no one stopped here in weeks. Mind looking at the picture before committing yourself? Commit myself? You sure talk like a policeman. Look at the picture, please. No. At least I don't recall. Well, she might have used an alias. Mary Crane's the real name. But she might have registered under a different one. I don't even bother with guests registering anymore. I mean, little by little, you drop the formalities. I shouldn't even bother to change the sheets, but old habits die hard. Which reminds me. What's that? It's the light. For the sign. We had a couple last week said if the thing hadn't been on, they would have thought this was an old deserted... Well, you see? That's exactly my point. You said nobody's been here for a couple of weeks, and there's a couple came by. Didn't know that you were open. Well, as you say, old habits die hard. It's possible this girl registered under another name? Mind if I look at your book? No. Thank you. Ah, yeah. Here we are. Marie Samuels. Interesting alias. Was that her? Yes. Don't know where she got Marie. Uh, Marie, Mary, Samuels. Uh, Her boyfriend's name is Sam. Was she in disguise? By any chance, want to check the picture again? Well, I wasn't lying to you. I just have trouble keeping track of time. Oh, I know you wouldn't lie to me. Oh, yeah. Well, it was raining and um, her hair was wet. And to tell you the truth, it's not a very good picture of her either. No, I guess not. Tell me all about her. Well, uh, she arrived rather late one night, and she went straight to sleep and uh, left early the next morning. How early? Oh, very early. Of which morning? The um, the the, the, the next morning, uh, s- Sunday. Oh, I see. Uh huh. 
Did anyone meet her here? No. Did she arrive with anyone? No. Did she make any phone calls? No. Did you spend the night with her? No. <laughs> How do you know she didn't make a call? Oh, well, she was very tired. Uh, see, now I'm, I'm remembering. I'm, I'm making a, a mental picture in my mind. You see, when you, make a, when you make a mental picturization of something... That's right. Take your time. Uh, she was standing back there. No, she was standing up w with a sandwich in her hand, and she had to go to sleep early because she had a long drive ahead of her. Back where? Uh, back where she came from. You said she was sitting back there, or standing right Oh, uh, yeah, no, back in, 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 the, in the parlor there. Uh, she was very hungry, and I made her a sandwich, and uh, she said uh, she was tired and had to go s s right to bed. Oh, I see. How did she pay you? What? Cash or check for the cabin? Oh, cash. And after she left, she never came back? Well, why would she? <clears throat> well, Mr. Arbogast, I guess that's about it. I have some work to do, if you don't mind. To tell you the truth, I do mind. You see, if it doesn't gel, it ain't aspic. This ain't gelling. Well, I don't know what you ex expect me to know. People just come and go. That's right. She isn't still here, is she? No. <laughs> if I wanted to check the cabins, all 12, I'd need a warrant, wouldn't I? Listen, if you don't believe me, go ahead. You can help me make beds if you like. Come on. Ah, uh, that's okay. Change your mind? You know, I think I must have one of those faces you can't help but believing. Is anyone home? No. Oh, somebody's sitting in that window. No, no, there isn't. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and take a look. Oh, well, that must be uh, my my mother. She's um, she's uh, she's an an invalid. It's uh, it's practically like living alone. Oh, I see. If this girl Mary Crane were here, you'd have no reason to hide her, would you? No. If she paid you well? No. <laughs> Let's just say, for the sake of argument, if you were gallantly protecting her. You know that you were being used. You wouldn't be made a fool of, would you? Well, I'm not a fool. And I'm not capable of being fooled, not even by a woman. Well, that's not a slur on your manhood. Well, look, let's put it this way. She might have fooled me, but she didn't fool my mother. Well, then your mother met her. Can I talk to your mother? No. As I, t I told you, she she's confined. Yes, but just for a minute. There might be some hint that you missed out on. Sick old women are sharp. No. Come on. I wouldn't disturb. Uh, I, I think I've talk to you about all I want to, so it would be much better if if, if he left now. Thanks. Well, alright. You sure would save me a lot of legwork if you let me talk to your mother. Would I need a warrant for that, too? Sure. Alright. Thanks, anyway. Alright guys, as we wrap things up, we, as promised, we're going to play the classic interviews I talked about. Uh, remember, we got three guys from Friday 13th on one show. It was like a magical night on the old, the first show I was on. It's not the best quality. It's at the end of the show. This is a little bonus thing. This isn't like official. And uh, even though I don't own that show, uh, these are my interviews, so I own the intellectual property of them. Or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, there's no intelligence in these interviews. <laughs> yeah, this is just on-the-cuff stuff. Just a little bonus. Friday 13th gets you warmed up for a big Friday 13th grand finale. Huge, biggest show ever. Friday the 13th versus Halloween. What is the better franchise? So check these interviews out, and we will be right back after all that good stuff. 
I believe we have a special guest on the line already, right now, with Rabbit and Red Radio. And that's the one who's singing. Is this Mr. Miguel Nunez? Yes, it is. Ooh, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. How's it going, man? How's it going out there? It, it's going great. Th- thank you very much, first off, for calling in to uh, a bunch of uh, nerds who do a horror show. <laughs> That's all right we, with me. Oh, we, yeah. and I'm, uh, here's where the uh, kids asking will start. Uh, I like you, and because of you and Bobby Lee and Michael Rosenbaum, you made yeah. Kicking It Old School extremely hysterical. Jamie Kennedy is the funniest man on a line to me. I had so much fun doing that movie. I don't think I ever laughed this hard in my life. I I couldn't because I sat down and watched it. I didn't know you were in it because I didn't see the trailer. And I go, hey, this, and you you probably hate when people say it's like that's Demon. That's the that's the guy from Friday Thirteenth Part Five. And like it's so unfortunate because you've been in so much stuff. Thing is, each each movie is and it has an indelible impression of, uh, on different people. So I mean, some people come up and say stuff that I didn't even remember I was in, and I, I didn't even remember I had like one scene. And everybody's got their own you know favorite something that they were that. I remind them of, so it's all good to me. All right, we have a couple questions um, to ask, if you don't mind. Uh, um, I think I, I think the uh, first question that Alex and I, um, we want to ask is, in Friday 13th Part 5, you didn't wipe your ass to get up in that. Uh, everybody asked me about that. I hadn't actually started shitting yet. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, right? I would love to do another Friday 13th. I know they were, at one time, they were talking about doing another Friday 13th. And they contacted me. They were going to do one where all of Jason's victims come back to haunt him. What year was this? When did they? Do you remember? This is like a maybe a year, a couple of years ago. They were trying to do do one where all of Jason's victims come back to haunt him. This is before the reboot, then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is long. This is probably the first thing they started to think about back then, but they didn't ever do it. I remember there. I heard something that they were going to bring back all the survivors, but. I never heard anything uh, about bringing everybody who died. And they went as far as calling you? Yeah, they they they, they were going to bring us about as spirits. It wasn't the survivors. They got nothing against Jason. That's what I understood. There was going to be all the um, all the uh, victims of Jason were going to come. Well, not all of them, but they were going to pick certain ones that had memorable death. Yeah. Yeah, the ones who could act. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have one of the most successful careers of, of anybody in the Friday 13th, whoever, you know, any victim or anything. Like, um, if, you, if, you, if you look through most of these people, no, you never I agree, see them. No, they You never see them again. No, never. <laughs> I think Jason really killed them. Yeah, that, I think Jason killed them, and that was the end of it. He killed them in the <laughs> careers. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'm just blessed. I can't complain. I, I truly, truly have been blessed, and I, I can't complain at all. I'm going to do a new series right now with uh, me and um, John Schneider, uh, uh, I play a sex addict golfer named Tiger. Oh, it's just for uh, back nine. Yes, it's just for... <laughs> but we shot the pilot a year before Tiger's problems came out. Really? Before he ever had one problem with his um, sex thing, we shot that. And what happened was the producers had him. They was like the studio was like, well, hold on, if his name's Tiger, people are gonna think he's Tiger. Tiger's such a boring character. Everybody's gonna think the show's boring, so change the name. And the producers say, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we go the total opposite of what Tiger is and make him a whore? And that's why we did it. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. You got Carmen Electra in there. You even have a John Farley. That's what I, yeah. I'm a, I like John Farley, great character actor. It looks great like, you know, character. He was funny in one of my favorite movies, Madhouse, with him and John Laura Cat. Uh, he was great. I, I like, 
I love a good character actor. Miguel, I have a question. I I need to. Uh, it's, this happened to my co-host here, Alex. Uh, your uh-huh. quote unquote brother, Reggie the Reckless. Um, uh, wasn't quite uh, a little bit pompous, I would say. Alex, do you want to tell um, the great Miguel <laughs> Nunez here what Reggie the Reckless did? Miguel, I met you on April 28th when you were in New Jersey uh-huh. at some convention. I, Reggie the Reckless, uh, Shavar Ross, was my first interview ever. What happened was I interviewed him and everything was going great, you know, and uh, it was fine. And at the end of the interview, I was like, Oh, cool, man. Listen, it was really great to interview you. Do you think I could send you a picture and an autograph and send it back? And you don't have to pay nothing. I'm going to prepay everything. And it's going to have another envelope in there already paid. And all you got to do is sign it and put it in and just put it in the mailbox. And he was like, oh, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Cool. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, well, just send it to me and, and I'll get that back to you. I was like, okay, cool. So I go ahead and I make this really nice thing up on Photoshop. I put the logo Friday 13th put it on glossy paper, like everything. It cost like a, like about $20 or whatever by the time I was done, you know, with the shipping and the prepaid and everything. So I sent it to him exactly where he tells me to. So then I don't, I don't ever see this thing ever. I eventually um, somehow get back in contact with him, probably through email or whatever, or AIM. And I say, hey, man, listen, uh, I was just wondering, whatever happened to like that picture I sent you? Um, didn't you ever get it? Like I seen the picture and you were supposed to sign it and send it back and he was like all he said was this. He goes, Ah, oh, really man? You know what? You can get my autograph anywhere. Just go to eBay or whatever, you'll get it. No, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm like he did. No way, that's horrible. That's horrific. <laughs> like if I, I don't ever saw laugh, but that's horrible. You know what's really messed up? I was going to see him. I think he was at a convention on August 22nd, New Jersey. I really, I think you were there, too. And mm-hmm. I was going to say hi to you again because we talked about doing this interview, like, when I met you um, on 2009 in April. He was supposed to be there, too, and I'm, I really wanted to tell him this story. But, like, I went out with this girl there, and we just stayed the whole time in the bar, and we never got to meet anybody in front of the 13th, you or Reggie or nobody. What was this? What was that? It, it was for pretty far, probably Cherry Hill. Oh, yeah, New Jersey. No, I mean, and, if you ever see me, I'm, the, I'm, out, I'm out there with everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I missed it, man. <laughs> There's something happening in September. Oh, cool. Yeah, All for, right. For Cherry Hill? I don't know what it is, but we're going. I don't know where it is, but it's a return to living there and a Friday 13th reunion. One of those. That's in Maryland, I believe. Yes, you're right. It is in Maryland. I should be your new agent. I'm promoting you your back five. You know what? Uh, all you need to do is slap Reggie the Reckless around for uh, for being a uh, pompous jerk. I will. Because he's really not like that. So, you know what I'm saying? He really isn't. But I, will I, I just that. thought that you was know, funny. That, yeah, I do too. But that's why everybody is. You never know who somebody no. is. You always everybody with respect. That's all I do. No, he was, he was really, really nice. I mean, it was just, I don't know. Maybe he probably don't even remember where it was. That probably was his problem. Exactly, yeah. I don't think he did it in a malicious way at all. Of course, after my co-host there created that incredibly awkward moment in the interview, I had to just go ahead and change the subject. So this is an awkward transition. Do you realize that, like, Return of the Living Dead is, like, the greatest zombie movie ever? I To me, I think it beats out any George Romero movie by far. I mean, uh... You can't, you'll never cap, like, it was It was literally like a, a party to me. 
it seemed like it wasn't going to take itself seriously, but it ended up being probably, I think, the greatest zombie movie ever. And I know Vince agrees. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah. That was my first movie, and I was so blown away just by being in a scene with a naked girl. I Uh, I can't really tell you anything else. I was so blown away. Yeah, and and how how many shoot And we were out in the graveyard most of the time. Wow. Yeah, it was fun, though. Oh, sorry, but go real quick. The director of uh, of that movie uh, recently passed away. Ed O'Banion had a lot of nice yeah, things did, to say yeah. about you in the commentary to the DVD. He is the nicest a guy. Of, and of course, that uh, yeah, you, you talk about the uh, being blown away by the uh, by the naked chick. I'm forgetting her name, but all I can remember is I think that was the first time I seen fake breasts. They looked fake. They were too perfect. I'm not complaining, <laughs> but. I don't know how that you was the first time I just been about. I couldn't believe it. I was like doing the thing, and we like cut. She was just sitting there, just talking. How they rush over a, 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 a in big budget films like that. They rush over with a with a robe. Or we had nobody rushing over with a robe, and she didn't even care. We'd be sitting at lunch. She'd just be sitting there, nigga, just talking. And my eyes were wide open the whole time. I'm like, is anybody watching this but me? I'm from North Carolina. I do. <laughs> This is that, that was your first uh, pretty much what that was the uh, that was filmed in L.A. wasn't it? Uh huh. Yes, it was. That was your that was your welcome to L.A. You're looking at that. You're you're getting excited. I mean, it's a big time. Oh, and exactly, I think I was, that's what Miguel said on the set. Yeah, I was like, damn, I think I picked the right business. <laughs> she was so sweet and nice, and I mean, nobody disrespected her in any way because she was naked. But she was always professional, and she was just so sweet. Actually, we were there. I remember, but I don't know. I was involved with the scene, so I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and Dan O'Bannon, you know, he's, he's real pro- prolific, so he gets the best shots. He was really cool. He pretty much let us yeah. have fun and do our own thing. Hey, Vince, can you do a few uh, clips from uh, Demon and Spider in uh, his movies? Uh, unfortunately, I do not have the, uh, I don't have all the uh, return, but I definitely have probably one of the uh, the best uh, demon clips of all time. Uh, this shit box is gross. I knew that's what you were going to put. I knew it. I was going to say that when I came on, but I didn't know if I could curse. Yeah, you can fucking say whatever you want here. <laughs> that's what I like about it. Yeah. Damn, this shit box is gross. I don't know. I have to ask you this one thing. Can you please give us an, an oh, baby? Ooh, baby, ooh, baby, ooh, baby, ooh. Hey, hey, I'm going to stop fucking around out there, girl. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get it, bitch. <laughs> exactly. That's what I feel. You know, he, he did do What If Fools Fall In Love, which is a great movie. Of course, we don't have those clips. We have to get your clips from Friday Five. You know. Yeah. And of course, everybody's hey, favorite. Hey, you okay? Oh, damn enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is my ringtone, by the way. That's my ringtone. That's, that's another famous line. You're seen. You were in Friday Five very long, but you made an impact. You're a lot of people's favorite characters. Me being one of them. I remember. I remember. Do you remember? I told you when I met you. I told you that uh, my name on my. I created a Friday Thirteenth website, and my name was Demon. Yes. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. I remember you now. <laughs> yeah. And I and I told now. you that. Yeah, we were going to do that interview for a while. Remember? Yeah. Hey, listen. What about um um 
um, setting, we should set something to do a live broadcast from the next uh, horror thing. You know That'd what? That that would be a great idea. Yeah, I'll sit in there with y'all. I'll get everybody to come to the table. That's oh, worth taking a trip down Maryland. We're in Philadelphia. Yeah. We set up right over there. Can I probably get some sponsors, do some giveaways? I can, yeah, we might do something here. Oh, cool. Y'all are listening to this radio station. Y'all make sure y'all come out to Maryland when we're there because we're going to have a ball. You heard it right I here first. Before this, Alex kept saying, hey, this Miguel might be a real prick. You know, he's a famous Hollywood star. And I said, Alex, that's no way to talk to him. He said, oh, no, no, boy. fuck him. And I, I'm, saying, I'm a big fan, Miguel, but Alex is well, See, Alex, I was right. He's a very nice gentleman. <laughs> he said, hey, you're right. You can't ever listen to Adam. <laughs> Dude, I would never cross that sacred line. You're my favorite character in my favorite horror franchise. I would never say nothing like that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, dude, thank you uh, so much. Thank you. Anything you like welcome. to plug? Anything you like to plug before you head back out? Backman, watch out for Backman coming out on Spike TV. Awesome. And uh, how about Trap uh, Haitian Nights? Yeah, have Trap Haitian Nights. That's coming out very soon. All right, and uh, check him out. I uh, know they're doing a replay of Blue Mountain State. He was very funny. He was a, uh, a transvestite prophet. <laughs> thank you, Miguel. Thank you very much. God bless. Thanks very much. Bye. Alright, like I said, let's do some pre-Friday the 13th celebration with a back-to-back. That was Demon from Friday the 13th Part 5, Miguel Nunez, and this is Russell Todd, Scott, with the Slingshot from Friday the 13th Part 2. Hey, it's Russell Todd. I I thought it was going to be. We don't have a call screener. Uh, There's way too much money. Uh, I'm so sorry that my phone shows up unavailable, but I'm glad that that you uh, took my call. Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you calling in. It really means a lot to me. Um, you're joined here. I'm Vic and Alex, and we have Mike. <laughs> well, happy Friday the 13th to everybody. Happy Friday the 13th. Same to you. Yeah, that's a, it's near and dear to my heart this date, of course. And um, I'm really, really happy that uh, I was part of this franchise, uh, part two, of course. And uh, it's amazing. And plus, you have one of the uh, one of the cooler kills of all time in a Friday Thirteenth movie. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, going up in a bear trap, upside down, and then uh, the slit throat. It was nice. Um, yeah, it was terrific. I, I, a funny tale, which I, I think has been printed before, but I remember they saved my death for my last night of shooting. And I remember calling my parents and saying, "Well, it's my last night in Connecticut. We we're finishing this Paramount film." And she said, what's the scene? I said, what's my death scene? And my my mom said, well, why are they killing you on the last night? I said, what do you mean? I mean, why did they save that? Why did they film everything else when they're killing you at the last night you're working? And I said, well, that's just the way, you know, it was scheduled. And she thought it was a snuff movie that they were really going to kill me. That's why they got all my other scenes out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, you should have told her, don't worry, they're going to use the dull side of the knife to cut my throat. Right. Yeah, exactly, which they, of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> a real snuff film would have been the, uh, the other way. True, yeah, very true. Yeah, it's so funny when I look at that and say, why did they do that? Because I was wearing a prosthetic, which definitely would have, which was pre-cut and had tubing for the blood, and all I had to do was lean my head back to reveal the gaping wound. So I guess they felt, you know, they didn't want to have any chance of actually cutting my throat, even though there was, you know, an inch-thick latex on it. Right. Um, I'm glad I survived. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually. Um, Part 2 is well-known for being the most edited Friday the 13th. Like, 
almost no gore. It's even comparable to Halloween Part 1. You, in the interview we did, you told me that um, there was so much blood that it started spilling into your eyes. Yeah, I was upside down, and they just kept pumping that blood, and, you know, they kept saying, keep it going, keep it going. And, and you know, I, I had to stop at some point because I had to react because it was going into my eyeballs and, and, and causing a problem. And in your nostril, probably, right? Yeah, it was just going totally da- upside down into my, uh, into my, the rest of my face. But it's true wow. when you say that. I didn't think about that. They're, they cut that short. They cut a lot of the death scenes short where you don't see much except the actual killing. And then, you know, right. a moment or two later, and that, that's very true. Good point. So, like, I don't know what it's like to be an actor on a set. Like, do you just hang out when other scenes are being shot and you watch it happening, or are you guys just not even around? It depends where it was. Now, they shot a lot of that out. Uh, our cabins were down this long, long road that led to the major um, place where the other things were shot. Like, a, not a cabin, it was like a lodge. So, quite often when we were finished, we'd go back, and, uh, and they'd want you to go back because technically you're off the clock, get out of here. You know, stop thank you. But yeah. you know, sometimes we'd hang around and watch other stuff. But I don't believe I watched that much during that shooting because we'd go back and you know we all became friends and we would go back to the cabins and then hang out or do stuff or go have a meal. Um, yeah, you said there were a lot of hijinks, people playing uh, tricks on each other, trying to scare each other. Oh yeah, often when we'd go back, cause it was like I said, it was this long kind of dirt road with hedges on both sides, and they'd wrap you. And sometimes it was dark, and they'd give you a flashlight, or you'd be escorted back by a PA. And you'd be walking down the street, and you'd hear literally, kill, 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 kill. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you know, we do, you know, we're making the movie, and I'm with Jason, and I'm with all these people. I know it's not real, and I'm thinking, oh, damn. <laughs> and yeah. you get scared. It was very, very funny. But, uh, yeah, now, there were times everyone tried to spook each other. I think, I think there's one scene that we all know you had to hang out on. The scene before your big scene where you steal Terry's clothes, I'm sure you were there for her whole skinny-dipping scene. Um, yeah, you know, I figured I would hang out for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you had nothing better to do? <laughs> yeah, you know, they said, you know, you can come and, you know, we'll, we'll let you fly in a helicopter. We'll let you do anything else that's fantastic. But, no, I'll hang here. I'm okay here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd stick with that. Yeah, no, Terry, yes. So, uh, yeah, I watched that uh, entire scene, of course, a number of times. And I felt yep. bad for her because that water was not warm. And, right. Uh, and she had to go into it. Um, but she was terrific. I don't know what's going on with her. I haven't heard anything about her, so I have no idea. I heard she was going to appear, I believe, at that event uh, that's no longer happening. I didn't get what they were doing with your character. You're one of my favorite characters, and that's why I contacted you in the first. And what I couldn't understand is... You're clearly a model. I mean, you, you, you know, you're the best-looking guy on the set, and you're hitting on this girl who's, like, not that. You know, she, okay, she's hot. But, like, I don't understand. I, I don't, understand. I, I don't get the part where you're not in her league. What was that all about? Go ahead. I think she was actually, I'm sorry, I think she was really holding out for the man in the wheelchair. I think she had a fetish. <laughs> Oh God! Never know. Never know. <laughs> that's uh, that's hey, probably uh, a negative, but okay. Yeah. Well, so I have okay. two quick questions here. One, um, Chopping Mall that you starred in is right. coming. It's really it turned out again, if you will, becoming a cult classic. I love you that. put it on DVD, and uh, uh, by the way, I watched the commentary to the DVD. The director and writer had nothing but nice things to say about you and the whole cast, Antonio Dell, and it's really turned into a cult classic once again after this DVD release. That's uh, what's your, 
it, 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 I always thought it was a good movie. Uh, I always wanted to see it for a long time. And look, all I could watch was the trailer. It was so tough to get. It was out of print for a while. And what was your uh, thoughts on Choppy Mall? At the time, were you just were you happy to do a, another horror movie, or did you just think like, ah, okay, I'll do this. I don't, I don't. Maybe I don't want to do another horror movie. What were your thoughts before going into that and getting the part to uh, Choppy Mall? Well, when I heard it was a Roger Corman picture, actually it was his wife, um, Julie Corman, but still associated with her family. I thought, wow, I mean, that's a classic name right there. I'd love to be involved. Yes. And then when I heard Jim Wynorski's name, and he has, of course, a great history uh, with those type of films and others, and I said, yeah, definitely, let me audition for that. And I was thrilled to get it, and it was a great group of people, and we had a fantastic time. We was at you know, the famous Galleria in Sherman Oaks. This was actually where we shot it, all the exterior in the movie is the Beverly Center in Los Angeles, but it was really shot at the uh, Sherman Oaks Galleria. And to be able to run through the Galleria when it was closed from like 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. at night till 6 in the morning with shotguns and AK-47s or whatever they're called and, 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 and blow the place up and destroy windows and then be chased by robots. Um, I mean, it was, it was a dream. It really was. I mean, it was, it was a thrill to, to get a chance to do an action pick like that and... and, and uh, and laugh a lot, and we did laugh a lot in the set. It seemed like a fun cast, and uh, the director, during the commentary, talked about all the flack he was getting from, uh, I want to say it was one of the supervisors of the mall, and that was a famous mall. I mean, they used um, a Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. They shot at the same mall. Yeah, yeah, but oh, the, yeah. the Galleria in Sherman Oaks, which was... Um, I think it's referred to in Fast Times at Richmond High, I believe. I don't know if it's seen there. But, I mean, it was referred to in many, many uh, it movies. It is. Movies. Yes. It, it was, and it's, now it's no longer around. I believe it was right. not now. Yeah, it's no uh, longer. It, it's still there, but it's no longer, uh, you know, a three- or four-level shopping mall. It's mostly offices with some shopping and restaurants on the bottom and theaters. The director of the film said he was getting tons of flack from one of the representatives of the mall because they somehow put a small little ding into the poll, and he said constantly these representatives of the mall was giving such a hard time to the production of the film, but yet the owner of that mall was all for it. Oh, I <laughs> I, he, he did say, I believe the owner, um, uh, um, Jim Worski, director, told him, hey, look, we're going to do this fire stunt, and we're going to put fire around here. And the owner, exact quote, as he told the story, said, oh, that sounds great, and walked away. <laughs> but everybody <laughs> advising this owner of uh, Sherman Oaks, the shopping mall, was so against it. So I don't know if, if you had, if you knew about that, if you seen that while on set, if you were, you know, heard about the kind of flack from uh, the mall staff. If you, uh, Actually, I, I hadn't heard about that. I don't know if they kept that from the cast or not, or Jim showed that it was some other people. But I did not know that. But that's very funny. I mean, you know, we we did run around, you know, and there were there was fire, and there were, you know, I remember in one scene I'm throwing a crowbar at a window. Of course, they opened up the doors of the actual store and put in our own plate glass. Uh, and I and I broke that, but I didn't know if any actual real damage to the mall. I do remember some real damage to my ears, though, I, which has been sustained and, uh, because those those guns are loud, and um, you know we were shooting them so often. I remember Tony was standing next to me, and he had a you know an AK-47, and he was firing that thing at the robot coming, and um, I think there was some uh, permanent damage uh, to my ears as far as. Um, just hearing and reduction in it, but I mean I don't know if it's specifically that, but over years 
But I do remember that, actually, not hearing for a few days from the loudness from that. Really? And and you're in a closed spot anyway, so it's definitely the echo. Definitely, also plus the echo, but being right next to those guns, even though they're they're blanks, um, it makes a powerful noise. Mr. Todd, the other question I have here is that one of your co-stars, quote-unquote, of Friday the 13th Part 2, Warrington Gillette, has been making a name for himself as the real Jason, and it's turned out to be that he he wasn't the real Jason. He did one scene. Uh, I just want to know if you if you have if, how do you feel about that when somebody he's taking credit for somebody else's work, more or less. Yeah, I don't know what the true backstory of that is because I remember him being there, but I don't know to what degree he was Jason or someone else was. I mean, no matter what the answer to that is, I mean, no one should take credit for someone else's work, or at least if they do take, they should say it's a shared credit. Um, but I really don't know how much he actually was the Jason or not, to be honest. Well, basically, Warrington Gillette was hired. In his contract, he was going to be, uh, you know, credited as Jason. So they hired him, really not knowing too much about him. The right. first day on the set, he's supposed to basically, they filmed the last scene first, when um, Jason jumps through the window to attack Ginny at the end. Right. And, um, he jumps through the window. In our interview, he even states he didn't even break through the, the glass. Like, he didn't do it right. He didn't, and, and I guess that's a real amateur mistake or I don't know, whatever. So basically, they do it again. He eventually gets through the window, film it. And basically, they said, this guy is just not, we don't want him for the rest of the movie. He's not going to cut it. Steve Dash was then hired to play Jason in every single other scene of the movie. Oh, wow. Now, yeah, so Warrington Gillette, basically, since his name is in the cast, when people were making documentaries, doing interviews, and you know, uh, hiring people for the conventions, they looked on the list and said, okay, let's get Warrington Gillette. And while he was doing all this, he failed to mention that he only did one thing in the entire movie, and he was not Jason by any means uh, besides that one window scene. Steve Dash was made aware of this, and it became this whole big, gigantic Yeah, fight. I, I think I've seen, you know, in other signings I've done, I've seen Warrington there, where, of course, he builds himself as the, um, the Jason from that. But I think Steve has been there as well, where he's, I think he has a, had a shirt that says, yes, I'm the real Jason. I believe that was Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, he's been saying, I'm the real Jason, as basically spiteful to um, Warrington. And to this day, like, that has been made aware to us for about five years, I would say. And Steve Dash will... Re- continue to write the real Jason on yeah, all his how autographs. How is it credited? How is it credited on, in the movie and IMDb? I think Jason Stuntman, something like that, Stunt Double. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes, it, it's, yeah. it is credited that way. Yeah. I, I want to ask a really total dork question to you. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, like that, I don't, I don't know how much you like memorize this movie, because I'm, you know, I'm sure it's just uh, yeah, another movie to you, but do you remember the scene where, like, Everyone's about to leave and go to that bar. So Steve Meyer takes the camera, and he films Ginny and Paul, and there's just one big long shot where they glide down the whole entire uh, porch, and they film every single cast member doing their own little part, and it's just one big long continuous shot. Do you remember that? I kind of do, yes. We were all doing, yeah, I do. yeah, and you were like, I think I'll stay here a while, because the girl says, well, I'm going to stick around. I haven't found Muffin. And you were like, eh, I think I'll stay a while. How many takes did that? Most movies don't have, a, like, one, a whole bunch of different scenes wrapped up in one continuous shot. I 
don't quite remember how many takes, to be honest, uh, that took to do that. But I, I would have remembered if it was a lot of takes to make it happen, because that always sticks in my mind. So it was probably yes. just you. Uh, otherwise, I would have remembered that. But I don't think it was – I mean, what we were doing was not that difficult for that shot. So, right. Yeah, everybody could have hit the mark pretty easily, yeah. Yeah, so I think he probably got it in one or two shots. Uh, okay, because I always liked that scene. I, I like how they did that. It was just two and a half minutes of just nonstop, and everybody yeah, had to nice do it. Yeah. I agree with you. That's that's always great to see a scene like that. Yeah, it's cool stuff. Yeah. 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 I was just gonna ask if you if you uh, if you hooked up with any girls on this on the set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. Uh, but really? Ah. <laughs> All right, that, that's some dirt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's fine to come from my side, but then the other person, I don't know, yeah. they want that out there. So, yeah. You know. Cool. Yeah. I have uh, one last question for, uh, has there ever been a role you've, you've been up for that you really wanted so and just couldn't get? Has that ever happened to you during your career? Well, I was actually supposed to do a role years ago called Endless Love. Starred Brooke, Brooke Shields starred in it years and years ago. And uh, Martin Hewitt. It's from 1981, right? That, it was early 80s, wasn't it? It probably was. Yeah, that's okay. Old yeah, now, now. <laughs> but um, I would thought I had that role. I did the screen test, and I thought we were buying clothing, all sorts of stuff, and then it was taken away from me um, for various reasons. But uh, yeah, that was one role which might have changed the career. Uh, I don't know, but that, that that might have been interesting to do that picture. I mean, it was a big film at that time, not a great movie. Uh, but a, a well-publicized movie. But I ended up doing I, Where the Boys Are, which was now in car film uh, in 83, with Lisa Hartman and Lorna Luft and Lynn Holly Johnson and Alana Stewart and Dan McDonald. And, and that was a terrific experience. In fact, they just, they're just they just releasing, finally, they never, ever put out a DVD of that. And they finally do it. It was made in 83. And uh, they just interviewed me at my home for that to do the commentary, uh, you know, for behind the scenes on that DVD. So I'm happy that they're finally releasing that. Do you have any movies that you you could recommend to like your fans of Friday Thirteenth besides Chopping Mall that they'd be into, like your like your favorite or your your you know uh, happiest uh, how they came out? Um, not horror pictures, about right off my head. Um, I'd have to think about that. You caught me on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. So, unfortunately, I, I, I can't. Uh, I still have to see many of the other ones in, in this series. I mean, I've seen, you know, two or three of them, but I haven't seen many of the later ones. And one of my clients, right. you know, I'm, I'm an agent, as you as you know already, uh, and yeah. I represent uh, many of the Steadicam operators in the country, and one of them did the last Friday the 13th. He was the camera okay. operator in the Steadicam. So it was nice to have that connection. I was very happy when they called and we were able to book that. It'll always be a part of you, I guess. Yeah, and I'm very, very happy about that. It was an exciting thing. I was young, and it was wonderful to be a part of that, not knowing what it would turn into, but just enjoying the moment and, and the people. And I'm glad that it's had such longevity and, uh, and that there's so many incredible fans that still love it. And, uh, and everyone has a favorite movie, and I think that's great. And, um, and I think it'll go on forever. But and as an agent, and I was just going to say as an agent, uh, you're not looking to take on a mediocre-looking person who can't act. Right, don't do that because Alex, Alex is going to ask you, and I figured I'll just ask for Alex. So Alex, I don't think it's going to happen tonight. <laughs> well, I don't represent actors; I represent people behind the camera. But <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's cool. Wow. So a lot goes into every single thing about making a movie, huh? 
really does. It's amazing how many um, positions there are and how many of those positions people never thought, oh, those people have agents? And, uh, well, yeah, Vince here wants to be a best boy, Griff. That's yeah, a good job. I'm sure it is. I would like to make the money. I could keep my mouth shut. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> well, I still enjoy going to the sets, even though I'm not performing, but to see my clients shoot and I meet some incredible people and watch their talent. And uh, it's always nice. So I think no matter what position you have on a project, um, I'm sure many of them are very grateful to be there and, and, and to be part of the experience and to get paid, of course. Of course. Exactly. Is there anything uh, you would like to plug uh, before we go? Um, I guess just, you know, just where the boys are, even though it's not horror, will be coming out um, very shortly on DVD, and I hope that people enjoy that. Will that uh, also be a Blu-ray, do you know, offhand? I don't know at this point. I'm really not sure because I'm not involved in that aspect. And also I'm promoting a, uh, a new singer that's going to be out there. You'll probably hear him soon. And uh, a crooner style in the, in the style of Frank Sinatra and uh, Michael Bublé. He's an amazing voice that no one's ever heard. And uh, we just went into the studio today and recorded three tracks. And I think he's uh, going to be uh, quite a sensation sometime soon. So that will be exciting. We'll see more about that later. Yeah. Very cool. That sounds great. And we thank you for your time. Uh, your grace for coming on here it really means a lot to us well, it's my uh, pleasure uh, you know it's, it's the perfect day of course Friday the 13th and uh, yeah. I'm very grateful to to all the fans uh, that have always stuck by the series by me by by all of this it's just it's just amazing and uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming through for us man I mean this is really a, a real special night I mean uh, it's just been incredible we, we had a Friday 13th show plan it's just been jam packed and it's it's something, I don't know, we'll definitely remember this forever, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's great. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you thank very you much. So much. All right, guys, take care. Happy Friday 13th. Thank you, you too. This is Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com with all the skinfo from the latest movies. Blasting in the theaters, Emily Blunt co-stars with Tom Cruise in Edge of Tomorrow. It's not nude, so head over to 2004's My Summer of Love, where Emily shows off her smoking blunts and gives Natalie Press a case of the lesbian munchies. Naked Emily will give you a Tom Cruise missile. This is the Mr. Skin Minute. Finally, nude on Blu-ray, Jennifer Aniston co-stars with Vince Vaughn in the 2006 comedy, The Breakup. Her dong-awaited high-def nude debut comes at the 57-minute mark when she bears her perfect seat meat walking down the hallway after a Brazilian wax. Jen cracks a smile, and you'll grow a mile. Nude on HBO, Khaleesi's handmaid Natalie Emanuel got naked for the first time on Game of Thrones. Natalie catches peeping warrior Grey Worm spying on her as she bathes in a stream, leading to a super sexy stare down. Naked Natalie will hook your pink worm. MrSkin.com. Fast forwarding to the good parts. I offended some strippers today. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, did you? You offended strippers. Yeah, Jamie. Jamie, you said you posted and you watched Slumber Party Massacre 2? No, it's Sorority House Massacre 2. Sorority Which House. Which is a Jim Wynorski film, and anyone who knows anything about Jim Wynorski movies knows that they're TNA from beginning to end. But I made the comment that I think he trolls strip clubs Tuesday afternoon to get... <laughs> right. He uses daytime, like lunch, lunchtime strippers in his movies, and... 
So I made this comment, which I thought was hilarious, and a lot of other people thought it was hilarious too, but then apparently it is offensive to strippers. So the hot strippers come out at night? Yeah, I mean, if you know... If you're a hot stripper, you're going to work the evening shift, the weekend shift. You know, you're going to be working when people are coming in. Right. If you're working the daytime shift, it usually means you're either a older or, you know, what? Maybe you're not as. Maybe it has nothing to do with how you look. Maybe you're not as good. I don't know. For whatever reason, that's just a, it's a joke. Yeah. You know, <laughs> apparently it was offensive to some strippers. Oh, so. maybe we should. Maybe it was the the wheelchair strippers. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> The untapped resource right there. Oh my you know? god. We're so sorry. I highly doubt it's untapped, but yes. And we're offending you left and right. We're sorry that. Oh, is your syphilis breaking out again? Oh. Oh, your parents raised a pussy. I'm sorry. Nothing like the fucking sea squad of strippers, dude. Oh my god. I know what you're saying, though, Jamie. Like, a lot of strip clubs actually do that. They're like. Come in, noontime special. Try the buffet. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, they're dragging you in with the food. Cause... Yeah, dude, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know, these, these chicks have like, you know, C-section scars in their fucking oh. At any rate, my joke was not leveled at strippers in general. It was leveled what? at Jim Wynorski and uh, the, the fact that... And, and you know what? Any woman who puts herself in a Jim Wynorski film knows exactly what she's doing. He also makes softcore porn under a different name um for skinamax it it's like the what these aren't like raging feminists who are working for him you know and so it's yeah. just i find it hilarious it was clearly a joke anyone who knows me knows that i believe in empowering women but you know the it was fucking funny, and I don't apologize for that. Jesus Christ. Jamie, you, you like offending everybody, though, so why would strippers be exempt from that? Well, that's a, you see, that's a, right? I feel like, yeah, yeah. Then I feel like I would be excluding them if I, <laughs> yeah. I believe in offending everyone across the board. And if I recall correctly, Jamie, we spoke pretty highly about strippers versus werewolves or whatever. Yes, we did. You know, I, I have no, I love strippers. I do. I love I that love movie. Them, and I, I love strippers, for them, if you're a good stripper, then I have a great deal of respect for you. That that is really demanding physically. You have to be talented. You have to know what you're doing. You know, I have a, I have a lot of respect for that. You know, and these aren't even really strippers. They're actresses, in quotes, you know, who are portraying strippers. You know, they're not actual strippers. I'm I'm just get just get over yourself. Jamie supports stripers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a new rule. I no, never mind. <laughs> Grammar! Grammar! <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. That was the interviews. I hope you liked that little bonus. And like we said before, we're fucking, we're going full throttle with this shit, dude. These these next uh, 11 shows are going to be so much fun. I mean, I, I don't want to give anything away, but we're doing something that Jamie's uh, been wanting to do, um, you know, ever since we started. So that's going to <laughs> <laughs> Yes! Let's flip a coin. Who's getting what? Who's getting what? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I can say about that. And that, that's going to be fun. And, dude, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. So, uh, like Alex said, stay tuned. Yep. The show that brought you the 12 days of Friday the 13th. The show that brought you a long night at Camp Blood. The show that brought you Ted White. Yeah. The show that brought you a remake of their own show, Friday 4. Who does that? Who does that? Well, guess what? No one's done what you're going to hear on the next show. And you can take that to the bank. Take it to the bank, bitches.